Hi, this is John Ozanting, lead pastor of Evolve Church, and this is the Evolve Church podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope that you find today's message encouraging and full of hope for wherever you're at. So I want to invite you into something that is alive and something that is active and something that has authority and power in our lives if we let it. If we let it. I want to invite you into scripture. Not just as um, a brief moment in this room, but an eternal moment that rests in light of what Jesus has already done for generations and what he wants to long to continue to do through his church. And we sit in the middle of that today. Galatians 5, verses 22 to 26 in the New Living Translation. If you have a Bible, brownie points for bringing that to church. If you don't, welcome to 2022, it's on the screen, so. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and the desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. And since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. God's word for us here in the room, those watching from home today. Very, very quick recap. Very quick, I even put it in my notes, hustle, all right? So very quick recap. Trees don't eat their own fruit. You've never and will never see an apple tree pull its branch in close and consume its own apples. A tree gives life to others. Trees bear fruit for the benefit of others. And that's the first idea that we've been unpacking. Your life is meant to bear fruit, not for you, for his namesake and for the enrichment and benefit of other people, especially those who are far from Christ. We think of the fruit of the Spirit from a very selfish way, often. If the fruit of the Spirit's meant to produce peace in my life, I could use a little more peace. I could use a little more joy. Don't get it, don't get it backwards. You're meant to be a, 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 a tree that gives joy to other people, that gives love, that gives, right? So trees don't eat their own fruit. And then if it's for freedom that Jesus makes us free, and then when we find ourselves free in Christ and we're figuring out what it means to stay free in Jesus, if our lives from that place of freedom are meant to bear fruit, then the evidence of you, the evidence of the real you, the inner you, the I've been made free in Jesus you, is that his Holy Spirit will produce tangible fruit in your life that's made known by how you give credit to the message of Jesus in how you live, how you engage with the world around you. And we make excuses about this. Well, we, well I'm, I'm this heritage, so I have a right to be impatient. Or I, my parents grew up modeling this, and so I just learned to have a standing angry face, even though I know it's supposed to bear joy. Right? We make excuses for our personality or our lineage or our life circumstance, but the Holy Spirit says, come on, kid. Come on, son. 
Come on, daughter. Stay free and then allow the Holy Spirit to produce fruit in you. The work of being made free rests entirely on Jesus. You cannot do anything to earn right standing with God the Father. Jesus alone did that work. It's through his work that we're saved. The evidence of being made free and us living surrendered to the Spirit nudges and coaches and corrects and prompts us in how we're living. That's on you by the Holy Spirit's grace and power and conviction, but you still have a choice to make every day. Will I steward today in a way that gives honor to Jesus? And I've made this statement in each of the talks that I've shared in this series. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit is actually the lifestyle of those who are filled with and energized by Holy Spirit. It's your lifestyle. Lifestyles of the full of the Spirit. <laughs> right? And so we pray as we start today. Come, Holy Spirit. We know that you're here. We know that you're in us, within us. We're aware that our lives are, are meant to be image bearers of the Spirit of Christ. And so in the tension of knowing that our, our lives are full of you, we still pray, fill us up again. Come, Holy Spirit. From a place of soft and open hearts and from a place of willing surrender, from a place of your voice, wrapped in love, wrapped in undeserved favor, your voice just bringing coaching and correction to our hearts today. We earnestly desire more of you, Father. In your name we pray. If you're new to Evolve, I, I tend to package a message with a question, a question that we throw out and then wrestle through as we share some ideas. And then the hope is that you go home and continue to ask this question in your life. That you don't leave it in the chair, but that you bring it with you. Today's big question, can we consistently and fruitfully carry his goodness and show up as his people of goodness without staying full of his presence, the Holy Spirit? Is it possible to bear the fruit of goodness in our lives without a deep surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit. And I, I wanna begin by saying a, a lot's been said in church communities about Holy Spirit. Some of what's been said has caused trauma and hurt and frustration and anger and confusion in the life of the church. And, um, but I believe truly that God shows up as three unique parts in one perfect being, Father, Son, Spirit. And I believe that when Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead and he met with his followers that he, he made a promise that he kept. He promised that the same version of him but in a different format was gonna show up on earth and not just show up in a cloud or in a mist or in a, in a pillar of fire like, like it had shown up in, in previous generations but show up from a place of force from within the life of the believer. You are a three-part being. You, have a, you are spirit that has a body and has a soul. And when you make a decision to surrender your life to Jesus, your spirit becomes full of Holy Spirit. And whether you figured all that out or whether that's a little weird for you, like some kind of like, you know, creepy movie, right? Um, again, a lot has been said that's caused hurt and confusion and damage. That's not today's message. But I wanted to start by saying, 
It is your right, it is your privilege, it is in your inheritance as a son and daughter of the Most High God to, to figure out what it means for you to be full of the Spirit. And I also wanna say, you cannot walk in his goodness, experience his goodness, and live out his goodness without a connection to the Holy Spirit. It's just not gonna happen. Galatians 5, in the message translation, I love how Eugene Peterson puts this. And I've paraphrased in that I've removed every other fruit except for goodness, which is what we're talking about today, okay? So I've just removed the other ones because we're leaning into goodness today. But what happens when we live God's way he brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Gifts, things like a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. Goodness. You were created to be holy. It's who you are. It's not what you do. It's who you are. A conviction that this holiness permeates our lives. And then it goes on to say, legalism is helpless in bringing this about. In other words, you can't behave good enough to be good. Nobody can tell you that you have to do these things to be good. Legalism is helpless in bringing this about. It only gets in the way. Among those who belong to Christ, everything connected with getting our own way and mindlessly responding to what everybody else calls necessities is killed off for good, crucified. So there's a beautiful picture of what it means to surrender to Jesus. It means, God, your voice is more important than my own wants and needs and all the pressure of family and friends and community and culture that's telling me, no, no, this is who you should be. No, 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 this is how you should behave. No, 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 this is what you should do. Your voice matters more than all of that. And since this is the kind of life we've chosen, life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we don't just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts. One could also say, don't just show up in a room like this and say, hallelujah, preach it, pastor, that was good, great thoughts, and then leave here unchanged. But work out its implications in every detail of our lives. That's what God's inviting us to do. And that means we're not gonna compare ourselves with each other as if one of us were better, another worse. We have far more interesting things to do with our lives. Each of us is an original. I'm still sweating from singing, but bear with me. Easy Christianity is a thing of the past, church. I'm not sure it was ever easy to follow Jesus. If you look at the first century Christians, how their lives were threatened, but there was a grace on certain seasons where it was pretty commonly acceptable to follow Jesus. I'm not sure that's gonna be our experience moving forward. Easy Christianity is a thing of the past. In this post-Christian culture that we do life in, it's going to be increasingly costly and challenging for us to grow in following Jesus. But when we live God's way, the Holy Spirit brings this gift called goodness into your life to flow out of your life, much the same way fruit appears in an orchard. And fruit that you bear isn't for you, right? Apple trees don't eat their own apples. This goodness fruit is actually first and foremost for Christ Jesus. The fruit of goodness that your life is meant to bear is for him, our Lord, our King, to honor his sacrifice and to share the richness of that with those around us. 
That's what it's for. And this goodness that your life bears shows up as the Holy Spirit's conviction that you are holy, period. Not will be one day, not if you do these things, you will start to be holy. You're invited to consider this truth. He is holy and I am his, so I am too. We are all image bearers of the creator, made in the image of God, made to fashion our lives after the Father and then bit by bit, by the power and grace of Holy Spirit, allow his truth, scripture, community with others to shape us into the image of Christ Jesus who was and is and always will be God with skin on. This conviction that we are holy is not about checking boxes or obeying laws. Legalism is helpless. Thank goodness. But it is about killing off and crucifying our own way and the world's way of living in exchange for choosing Jesus' way of living each and every day. That's what holiness is. This is what I want. This is the pressure I'm facing from the world. But this is who you are, and as such, that is what I desire. And it's on us as sons and daughters of God, reconciled by, I love that word, reconciled. It's a big fancy church word. But all it means is that Jesus restored your relationship with the Father. It's done. And he resolved all the conflict of sin in your life. Reconciled. Reconciled by Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit to work out the implications of this holy, this goodness in every detail of our lives, every implication of our lives. C.B. Bridges, uh, he was writing about goodness in, in a dictionary of biblical theology, and here's what he said about goodness. It is nearly impossible to think about goodness in the abstract. In Scripture, goodness always involves particular ways of behaving. Because God is good, he is good to his people. And when people are good, they behave decently towards each other based on God's goodness to them. So there is gonna be a natural outpouring of fruit called goodness in how you live, in how you behave. But it's not about the behavior. It's about understanding first and foremost that we're meant to be image bearers of Jesus. We're created in the image of God. And God is good. And I understand the weight of me. I'm just gonna pause for a second. Because in this room are people that I know who right now are saying, you say that God is good, but this just happened. How dare you? You say that God is good, but we've just walked through two years of hell. Where are you, God? You say, you say he's good, you turkey. I don't, I don't say that God is good because today I feel that he's good. I say that God is good because my faith chooses to move down the path of embracing his goodness despite the circumstances of life. And if you're not there yet today, I'm okay with that. I see you. And I may need to take a deep dive some Sunday into this truth about our God because many of us have struggled and continue to wrestle this concept of a good God against all the horrible things that we see happening in the world around us. 
I don't want to rush, rush over this tension. But for the sake of establishing a healthy interpretation of the Bible and faith being the evidence of what I can't see and what I hope for, I have to declare in faith that God is, in fact, good. And although we might feel better discussing God's goodness in some abstract philosophical sense, in Scripture, his goodness appears most clearly in how he deals with people. He consistently shows up as good through the narrative of the Bible. And I bet, even if you're in a hard season right now, if you were to take a quick inventory and look back at a really, really hard season from two years ago that you navigated and came through the other side, in hindsight, you would have to say, I didn't see what he was up to, but I can see it now. And boy, is he good. Because God the Father always has, always does, and always will show up as good, as goodness to his people. Shotgun, ready? Psalm 23, 6. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me some of the days, no, all of the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. There, your people finally settled, and with a bountiful harvest, oh God, you provided for your needy people. That's who he is. You've done many good things for me, Lord, just as you promised. You keep your word. You're good. The Lord is good to good people. The Lord is good to some. No, the Lord is good to everyone, Psalm 145. He shows compassion on all of his creation. That's who he is. Lamentations 3, the Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. There's goodness attached to pursuit from us. Ephesians 2, so God can point us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ. If we're created in the image of God and invited to bear his image through our lives of obedience and surrender, then our human goodness can only be modeled on the Father's divine goodness, his character, who he always shows up as. And Matthew 5 says, in a word what I'm saying is grow up. Your kingdom subjects, now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously toward others the way God lives towards you. You're his. Act like it. Sharing the fruit called goodness becomes less and less about the stress of being good and more and more about confidently being who you already are in Christ, marked by his grace, full of his spirit. Man, I don't know if you can relate to this, but I remember being 17 and waking up stressed every morning because I loved Jesus, but I was worried every day if I was gonna be good enough. Like I was worried about screwing up. Pardon me, am I allowed to say that in church? I got the mic, so I might as well. I got the thumbs up from Robin. I was worried about, like, am I going to be good enough? Am I going to disappoint God? Am I going to let him down? I, I lived my life from this place of, like, eggshell, like, oh, got to be, get. And that's not goodness. That's stress. That's anxiety. Goodness is, I know who he is. I know his character. I trust it. Even if I can't see it today, I trust it. And I'm his. I bear his image. 
So this isn't about what I do. This is about who I am. For human beings, goodness involves right behavior, sure, but that expresses itself in all these beautiful ways in how we live. In the New Testament, many words describing goodness are characterized in your life and the life of the believer's behavior, things like just and justice and righteousness and holiness and purity and gentleness and kindness. If goodness is the general term and all these other specific terms show what it means to be good every day. And so goodness is at the heart of our character. It's at the heart of our nature as surrendered sons and daughters. Our motive for being people of goodness is to give him all the honor, all the glory. Not to, say, not to have other people say, hey, you're, you're pretty good. You're, you're pretty good. Attaboy, right? Carry on. Because that gets weird and toxic and fleshy. And It's about giving him honor. How you live, representing his goodness. I love what Jesus says in Matthew 5. You're the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? No. It will be thrown out and trampled. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. That's stupid. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, here it is, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Our motive for being people of goodness is to give him all the glory, all the credit, and all the honor. The goal of the believer is not to live in such a way that we avoid sin. With Holy Spirit's intimacy and clear and compelling voice, his power, avoiding sin should be easy. If we are people led by the Spirit, avoiding sin isn't the thing. The goal is to live our lives so far from the edge of sin in responsive obedience to the Holy Spirit's leadership that his goodness to us spills over through our goodness to others, giving him honor and glory all along the way. So today's big question, can we consistently and fruitfully bear and carry his goodness and show up as people of goodness without staying full of his presence, without Holy Spirit? It's about what's going on in here. And so I want to close with a parable from Jesus. How? How do we stay? If I can't show up as goodness without being full of his spirit, how do, how do I stay full of his spirit? From Matthew 25, verses 1 through 10, then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. And the question hidden in that is, which are you? The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. And when the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. That's a picture of the world we live in right now. Spiritually drowsy, spiritually asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout. Look, the bridegroom's coming. Come out and meet him. And all the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. And the five foolish ones asked the other ones, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some. That's mean. But while they were gone, the bridegroom came. And then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and then the door was locked. You know, I don't teach on the end times a lot 
Not because I don't care about it, but because I think it shouldn't impact how we live on mission for Jesus today. But this parable from Jesus is about something that's coming at some point down the road. Jesus is coming. He will return. And in this narrative, um, we've got bridesmaids, we've got a bridegroom, we've got oil, we've got lamps. What does this all mean? Let me help you real quick. The bridesmaid, that's you, me. Yay, I get to be a bridesmaid. <laughs> My whole life. <laughs> that's all I've ever wanted. It's us. We're the bridesmaids. The bridegroom, that's Jesus. The oil, Holy Spirit. All throughout Scripture, oil and Holy Spirit go hand in hand. That's why they anointed people with oil, because it represented the presence of the Spirit of Christ. Oil is the Holy Spirit. Lamps are lives of faith. So three ideas from this passage. A, the closer we get to Jesus' return, the more oil we're going to need. Which means right now you need more oil. You do. I do too. Second idea from this story that we can learn, there's no one else that brings your oil for you. Not your small group leader, not your spouse, not your parents, not your pastor. Nobody else carries your oil. You carry your oil. You do. You're responsible for your own oil. And number three, running out of oil seems to be a problem for many. In this story, 50% of the people. Now remember, good behavior isn't our pursuit, okay? I want you to remember that. How we, how we live, that's not our pursuit. Being good isn't what we're asked to do. Knowing who we are is what we're asked to do. And then the natural outflow of who we are changes how we live in the world around us. Sharing the fruit called goodness becomes less and less about the stress of being good and more and more about confidently being who you already are in Christ, marked by his grace, full of his spirit. Can we consistently show up as goodness in the world around us without this? The answer is no. No, we cannot. So how do we stay full? I've got five things, and then I'm done. Number one, we stay full through our private communion with God. Do you privately commune with God? We're publicly communing with him today. It's nice, it's fun, it's beautiful, it feels good. Do you privately commune with him at home, in your car, in your living room? Luke 5 paints this picture that Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. And he did that for silence. He did that for solitude. Do you have space in your calendar to privately commune with the Father? This isn't a guilt statement or a should statement. This is a, do you want to stay full of the Spirit? Then please put it in your calendar to privately commune with the Father. And how do we do that? Scripture, prayer, and worship, which I like to call soap, We've talked about soap. If you're new to Evolve, soap simply means scripture, observation, application, and prayer. We read something. We ask God, how does this apply to my life? We wait and listen. We observe what he's speaking to us. And then we pray and move forward. Soap. Scripture. Soak is just worship. You know, there's a term in the world. There's like, there's like musicians that create soaking music. And uh, I love this Brazilian composer named William Augusto. He writes great soaking music. And anytime I'm writing or studying or reading or message prepping, I've always got William Augusto in the background. It's just like, it makes me feel good, right? It's just, I soak, I soak. But soak is about worship. And for you, that might show up with you driving to work with your favorite worship song cranked and you singing at the top of your lungs. Are you sitting quietly playing a piano or a guitar at home and just spending time? But do, do you pursue communion with the Father through 
Scripture and worship and prayer. Creating space for your oil reservoir to be filled. That's number one. Number two, personal disciplines. Did you know that the emotion of the Holy Spirit ebbs and flows? And if you're emotional as a human being and lean into faith purely from a place of emotion, you're going to have these like mountaintop feelings. You come to like a worship thing or a service and you're like, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling you go home and you're like, I'm not feeling good. (laughs) And And when you're not feeling good, you question his goodness and you question his character and you question his proximity and you question his love. And so you desperately run around trying to find rooms that make you feel good instead of realizing that that room is right where you are if you pursue proximity with the Father through personal disciplines. We are spirit, full of his spirit, and we have a body, and we have emotions. But our emotions don't lead our lives. Our spirit leads our lives. So the feelings and the emotions of his presence ebb and flow. We are not what we feel. We are sons and daughters created in the image of Christ Jesus to bear his image. So practicing his presence as a habit produces the passion that we need. I was teaching some young adults this on on Friday night. Practice produces passion. We, We have a hard time practicing sitting down and reading our Bible. Because we want to sit down and open our Bible and like feel all the feels. And usually that doesn't happen. It's just a good habit. It's like eating food. Sometimes my wife, you know, makes a meal at, actually all the time, I should say, all the time, my wife makes a meal at home that like, wow, this is incredible. But then when I cook, it's like, it's just food. You know, it's just, I, I know I got to eat. Right? It's just a habit, a good habit, Right? Same thing with God. Occasionally, I'll be sitting reading my Bible at home, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit's presence is felt, and then I'm bawling and crying and a mess, and I'm like, well, I'll do this again tomorrow. But it's usually just a habit. It's just practice, your personal disciplines. Number three, a rhythm of rest and restoration. Well-known Psalm 23, the Lord's my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. Do you know that it takes still and peaceful waters to restore your soul? How many moments in your week feel like still and peaceful waters without any other human beings around? Be honest. Do you have a Sabbath rest? This fall, we're launching all new Evolve groups, small groups at Evolve. And the first... um, spiritual practice we're going to be leaning into and learning about together is Sabbath rest. So starting September 11th, you're going to have an opportunity to sign up and get in a group, and and I want you to. You need to, Um, which is point number four. But a rhythm of rest and restoration means I shut off all the distractions, I shut off all the noise, I turn off my smartphone, and I find a quiet place once a week to rest and to pursue still waters so that he can restore my soul. Number four, proximity to others who know how to access oil is how we stay full. Do you have people in your life, you're like, I know that, I know that lady, I know her, she's full of oil, I I gotta get with her. She knows how to access oil, I wanna be around her. I know that guy, that group of guys that meets for coffee once a week, they're full of oil, I I should be hanging with them, I wanna hang with them, I need to hang with them, I better start hanging, I'm gonna start hanging with them. 
right? You need proximity to others who know how to access oil. And Hebrews 10 says, let's not neglect meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his drawing, near, drawing is, is near. The forced habit and practice of isolation that caused, was caused by COVID-19 over the past two years, forced habit and practice of isolation, has convinced too many Jesus followers that the fear and the cost attached to pursuing real community is just too great, just not worth it. What if I get sick? I'll just stay home. And if you're watching from home today, I love you and I see you. And this isn't like a, I'm not mad at you. I love you, I see you, okay? But that fear is a lie straight from the pit of the accuser. Who are you intentionally pursuing to increase your consistent and regular proximity? Proximity with others that are full of his presence. Five and finished, I'm done. How do we, how do we stay full? Private communion with God, personal disciplines, a rhythm of rest and restoration. I could preach a message on all of these, and so I'm literally just like getting it out there. But number four, proximity to others. Number five, living on purpose. Living on purpose. You get to choose to live on purpose. And Galatians 5 says, since this is the kind of life we've chosen, the life of the Spirit, let's make sure that we don't just hold it as an idea or a sentiment, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. That means we'll not compare ourselves. We have far more interesting things to do with our lives. Each one of us is an original. And I can read that and go, oh, that's nice. I know you, you're an original, and 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 you get to be an original, and you get to be original. But I, not me. I know me. I'm just me. Yeah, you're you. There's nobody like you. You're an original too. Oh, I don't know, Pastor. You'd have to convince me of that. Well, it's in the book. <laughs> he made you to bear his image in a way that nobody else has ever or will ever bear his image. You're, you're, you're unique. You carry something that nobody else does. The goal of the believer is not to live in such a way that we avoid sin, that would be a terrible way to live. Like, oh, 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 oh. No. The goal of the believer is to live our lives so far from the edge of sin. Because sinning is not like, if the Holy Spirit's active and alive, the Holy, I gotta be honest, the moments where I screw up the most in my life, where I lose it with my wife or yell at one of my kids, leading up to that moment, right before that moment, is always this little voice inside going, hey, buddy, <laughs> dial it down a few. You can do this. I'm here, remember? Lean in. Oh, okay. You're going to try it your way again. That's all right. Next time, we got this. I'm here. Holy Spirit's always, always prompting and poking and encouraging me to rise up as his son. And so you're going to miss the mark, and that's, there's grace for that. Don't live in that grace. Live in freedom. Live in the freedom. If we are created in the image of God and invited to bear his image through our lives of obedience, surrender, then our human goodness can only be modeled on the Father's divine goodness. So stay close to the Father. Stay full of his presence. Pursue his presence above all else. Amen? It's the only way we're gonna be good. That's it. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for... Your unbelievably relentless pursuit 
of every life here in this room, watching online. To have this unshakable confidence that the neighbors on my street who I'm just getting to know, who don't know you yet, you're, you're relentlessly pursuing them. That guy I see once a month at the car wash where I wash my car, he doesn't know you yet, but you are relentlessly pursuing him. And the woman that manages that restaurant that I eat at a few times a year, who always remembers my name, she, she doesn't know you yet, but you are relentlessly pursuing her. And that's kind of the point. It feels better to think about how you're relentlessly pursuing me. Because then I can just sit in that love and experience that love. But you've asked me to live on purpose. You've given me a mission. You've asked me to bear and carry your image in the world around me. And you've laid out clearly the kind of fruit that you want my life to produce so that others can taste and see just how good you are. And so this, this is where we lay it down. Every lie, every doubt, this is our surrender to make room for you. To not get caught up in what we want. To not get caught up in what other people want for us. To be solely committed and concerned with what it is you desire for us. Every life, every daughter, every son. Every person in this room that's been marked by your grace and transformed by your love. Every person in this room that at some point has made the decision to surrender their lives to you, Jesus, and Receive the gift of what it means to be reconciled, made right with God. No more conflict from sin. The stewardship of our hearts and souls and minds and spirits every day, living in surrender to you. That's what you ask. That's who we long to be. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. If you're ever in the Edmonton area, pop by for a visit. And if you need any more information, visit evolvechurch.com. We hope to see you soon.